Back on the Pick and Roll podcast, as, as the world burns around us, seemingly. Here to talk uh, basketball. We've been almost three months without games now. We're joined for the first time by uh, NBA analyst, journalist, producer, man of many talents, Dwayne Watson from Toronto. How are you, sir? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Thank Happy you. to be part of the podcast. Been a, a follower and a fan for a while, but, you know, privileged to be part of the show. No, you won't be very welcome. Thanks for your time. Uh, Mike Tuck. Uh, Sky Sports, Sheffield Sharks, welcome back once again, and uh, and Gavin as usual with us. Yeah, thanks for joining. Not us. your intro will like a bit of uh, yeah. I was wondering how you're going to flesh my intro out there. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows you by now. Gavin um, at home. Yeah, yeah. I mean, scary times around the world, and especially over the border from you right now. Um, basketball kind of seems like it should be low on the list of people's priorities, but. Um, there is rumours the NBA will be back in, in some form sometime soon. Not really clear as yet uh, what form that's going to be. And I think there was a governor's meeting on Friday, wasn't there? Kind of various um, sort of theories have been thrown out there. What, what, what do you see happening, Dwayne, as far as are they going to carry on with the regular season? Do you think they're just going to head straight for the playoffs? Or how can you see this panning out? Well, it's funny. There's a couple of scenarios. I mean, I think... Um, obviously we kind of knew and hoped as fans that the game would resume because of, you know, we miss it. Um, but there's also a lot of money at stake. And obviously with, um, you know, the stuff with China early in the season with them not broadcasting the games, lost a lot of funds. And from what I'm understanding too, there's some contractual obligations for like regional team, regional networks yeah. with teams where they have to play a certain amount of games. Mm. So I think there was, a, they were trying to look at seeing a way they can meet the number for a number of those teams. But one thing we've seen with Adam Silver more than anything is that he's put safety paramount. And I think, um, yeah. you know, with how quickly he, he cut the league. So obviously playoffs for sure are going to happen. I'm hearing obviously they're going to have those four teams from the Western conference. Cause you know, you got to keep Zion in the mix, <laughs> but um, I think, you know, it, you know, if you have a tight playoff race, you want to have those guys up, have an opportunity to play. I do like the play in scenario too, as well, but um, more than anything, I think like, you know, by the end of July, hopefully we'll have basketball back. Yeah, that seems like the sensible and safer option, doesn't it? Kind of the playing thing. You know, you get teams like Portland, they were just outside, and as you say, Sacramento and New Orleans involved. And um, yeah, the, and the you know regional TV comes, they're just going to have to take the hit, it seems, doesn't it? Uh, in the interest of yeah. safety. How do you think that's going to sort of play out as a product? Um, do you think it's going to be watchable? I mean, is it, is it going to look too much like sort of summer league games? Or it's hard to see <laughs> how it's kind of i don't know how are they going to kind of recreate the sort of atmosphere in any way doesn't it it's no one really knows yeah i think it's a challenge you look at um before you know like a month ago i was saying like why bother because yeah the, the, the stoppage between play is so great like we've never really had that it's not even like a locker shortened season it's so you know it's not even like guys are practicing and they're not having games guys and teams aren't together so there's so many factors that play into it mm. and you know i think whoever wins this championship is still gonna be marked with an asterisk based on the break that they had yeah but 
it's kind of unfortunate because we had one of the most in- interesting and series seasons in the NBA with all the storylines and all the scenarios and you know LeBron you know like looking so good and Kawhi and Giannis and you know what the Raptors repeat and all these other scenarios that were evolving this season so it was it was a shame it had to end like that but I think you know we're going to see how much rust is going to be a factor and you've got like veteran guys like LeBron who is obviously in great shape but how can they bounce back after this rest mm. but then you also have people who like you know could be better because of the time to recover from injuries so I think there's going to be it's going to be it's going to be a bit tough to watch initially, and I mean you would hope that they can have some games to get their rhythm back, um, but you know I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, we saw after the '99 lockout, some players sort of maybe didn't take the off time too seriously and came back a little chunky, didn't they? <laughs> and the likes of Sean Kemp and stuff. And uh, yeah, you just hope that's not happening uh, with, with some of the guys. You know, like, that's that's the thing though. Like, but the, the top ten percent of the league will will have you know, the gyms in their, in their houses and, you know, they'll have access to all that, but the, it's those, you know, it's that bottom half of the league where, you know, some of those guys haven't had the, the same access to, to gyms and courts and stuff like that. So the risk for injury coming back could be, could be huge. And the product that they're putting out on the floor won't be, uh, won't be as polished as it was, you know, heading into this whole pandemic. But I, I, I don't know. I think it's obviously I want to see some sort sort form of basketball to finish this season off, but I feel like the, the first week of games that the novelty will wear off pretty quickly and it'll be like watching just a bunch of guys playing in an open gym kind of thing, you know, like like those summer league games where just the stands are kind of empty and I don't know, it's it's uh, it's an interesting one. Mm. You spoke to Fab, uh, the Raptors assistant coach that I did. Have they got so most of the guys back there at the facility or is it just a few? Or Yeah, we did, um, we did a podcast or uh, we did a Zoom a Facebook live zoom thing with him last week. And uh, he was late to the meeting because he, he was stuck in individual workouts. And he said, Kyle Lowry wanted to stay late and get some more shots up. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so they've, they've been probably been doing uh, individual training sessions with players for like the last two or three weeks now. Mm-hmm. Um, but they said, it's all, it's very, you know, structured and set up and you have to go through a certain amount of checkpoints and, and all that type of thing. So they're being super safe about it. So most teams are back in the gym now, working out, training. Um, so that that's a good thing and, and a step in the right direction. But yeah, at the end of the day, you know, I want to see you. Know, you want to see some sort of basketball, but there will always be that asterisk next to whatever team takes home the title this year. Yeah, and, and Mark, you made a good point about it. obviously everyone being able to train and stuff, and some guys not being able to train. But the biggest thing is, and you know, like on court gameplay is totally different than like working out and training and doing drills, like playing in game situations. If you haven't done that for a while, it's going to be the adjustment, right? 100% takes out your, all your rhythm out of, out of your game, like right away. But like, like we said, like for some players, this will be good for like a guy like LeBron or Kawhi who kind of need these, the, the little bit of rest, this will be a good thing for them. But for other guys who, who maybe were in a playing in a great rhythm and then, you know, you just, you got three months of sitting on the couch and then you get thrown right back in the mix. It's, it's going to be a tough transition to make. Yeah. You're not convinced, Gavin, are you? The quality of the product's going to be sort of watchable. Um, well, what I, what, yeah, my, my fear, my fear, but well, it's not a fear. It's what, when in those like ESPN retrospectives, are they ever going to show any highlights from these playoffs? Yeah. <laughs> if, if, when, look, Looking back in five years' time, it'll just be like it never really happened because they won't want to show it because yeah. it'll be so obvious. They're between we, a rock and a hard half, place, aren't they, I guess? It's... We spend half 
half of the like the, the meaningless dog shit games of the of the regular season, justifying it that this this playoff intensity, this playoff atmosphere is going to come. That this guy's flat tonight because he plays better and under this playoff intensity. That like the game is much of the mythology it, to such a large extent built around how players perform in that sort of perceived pressure cooker of the playoffs, isn't it? That's mm. where reputations are made and like destroyed, and it's just going to be so weird. I, I think there's probably room for something way more left field, way more on like a you take the top 16 or whatever and you have a tournament, more like a, a home and away sort of thing, like just like a completely new format rather than trying to just mm. do some sort of rough approximation of what it should have been. Yeah, they can't please everyone. That, other... That's the problem, isn't it? My, my other fear is like, what does this do for like recruitment at this point? Like we've, we've missed the end of the college basketballs, but there's always a time where some players go because of how they perform in March and get drafted. Like that's where people, there's none of that kind of happened. And then there's players who were on the edge, teetering on the edge, trying to hold on to their jobs as it was. Like what happens to those guys now? They've not had a chance to do anything. Like there's like a whole sort of yearly intake of players who've almost been completely denied their opportunity to, which which a lot of the time comes towards the end of the season when players yeah. are sort of resting. Yeah, I mean that's more a college issue, I guess, isn't it? And I think they kind of got this, get, get the season out of the way before they sort of worry about the draft, haven't they? And uh, I think it's probably way down the list at the moment. Well, to Gavin's point, actually, because I was kind of like not with him until the end in terms of. I mean, we've seen a number of, like, Shabazz Napier is a great example of a guy who excelled in the tournament, mm. but just because he was going to tournament, he wasn't going to the pro, but conversely, Shea Gilgis Alexander in Kentucky was, like, not even the starting point guard that season, yeah. and you know, went off at the end of the season in the SEC tournament and had a run, and that's how his stock raised. So, I mean, yeah. you have a good point where those people who have the opportunity to kind of shine in those one-shining moments can use that to catapult their draft stock, and that's not gonna, that's not going to happen this year. Yeah, it's a shame for the Raptors as well, really, because they've really had a great season, even though sort of Gasol's missed a lot of games and stuff. They've not really missed a beat on last season in terms of sort of wins and the record and stuff. Um, you know, it's credit to Nick Nurse. He's improved those players who were on the roster last year. And uh, I know the East not probably as strong as it has been in previous years, but he's kept them in the mix. And they're, they're certainly in that East playoff mix, aren't they? Yeah, I have to qualify this because being in Toronto, I don't want to sound like a homer, but I think that... <laughs> that's out of the way now right yeah <laughs> uh, but i think obviously i mean they are the, the reigning champions but you know you touched on it i think nick nurse is you know just as important as those guys on the floor in terms of yeah. how he's managed this roster of individuals i mean we're talking about a team that doesn't have their best player on the team on the floor anymore and no real significant replacements um to kind of come in and, and carry that load mm. and they're playing just as well in lieu of the fact that they had never injuries so i think the thing about the Raptors, I felt even last year, is that behind Kawhi was a balanced squad of players who can who can play, and they're still showing they can do that, and they buy into what Nick Nurse's uh, philosophy is. And I think, you know, where he's thrown different strategies, different defenses, um, he actually really coaches the game and, and does a really good job managing his personnel. And that's why I think they haven't really dropped off a beat, and that's yeah. why I still believe in that team in the playoffs. Well, it's just the organizational thing as well. They're just really solid, aren't they, sort of all the way through. Just going back a few years, um, you wrote a uh, a piece in Slam magazine I remember reading about when Messiah sort of first uh, first come on board as you know president uh, replacing Brian Colangelo. 
I mean, it's 2013, doesn't seem two minutes ago now. And um, he just built it slowly and methodically, didn't he? He wasn't, you know, afraid to take big swings. Like, he got rid of Bargnani straight away. And um, there was the trade where they traded Rudy Gay away, which on paper initially looked like they were giving their best player away. But um, they quickly turned it around, didn't they? And so they ended up winning the division that year. And it's just been really smart, solid moves year after year, haven't they, to, you know, getting to the point where, you know, they got to that championship level and stuff. And uh, Yeah, I mean, Masai really changed, the, I mean, the cultural organization yeah. in terms of how um, their approach to things. He kind of brought, brought a lot of credibility to it. Um, shrewd negotiator. And I think also drafting and finding, you know, players like Pascal Siakam or Fred Van Vliet or Norm Powell or, you know, like developing guys and, and, and turning, not turning them to something, but providing opportunities where guys can excel in the right mm-hmm. system. And I think, you know, that's trickled down through the organization in terms of how how their approach has been even developing a coach like Nick Nurse and whatnot yeah. too. So that's yeah, really been a credit to what, what the franchise has done. Yeah, it's strange how the sort of connections go back to the sort of British Basketball League. I mean, Nick Nick was quite a sort of known face and name over here. Obviously, he was a really successful coach uh, at quite a young age and did quite a bit of media and stuff. And um, Masai actually played in the British League. I don't know if people actually know that. Uh, very brief. No, I, didn't. I don't. I don't think he was a particularly, uh, you know, he was kind of, he was like, <laughs> he's more like a 12th man kind of thing, but... Um, there's no, there's no, there's no like amazing uh, UK Messiah mixtapes out there. No, I, I don't think there's any footage. I can't find anything of him. So I, <laughs> I, I believe he played for Derby. I'm not sure. I stand corrected, but um, I think he's definitely had more success on the sort of uh, on the front office side of things. But um, so they've been they've been out there to play for exhibition games as well, right? Um, yeah. That, that, did they have did they have a regular season game, Mike, or was it an exhibition? I can't remember now. Or, or reg- reg- I mean, it would have been a regular season for the Jersey, right? Uh, I'm not sure. If- they have played one over here. It's, it was a few years back, though. Yeah. Um, I think it was a, since they, it was they a preseason game. They, they moved the game to Paris this year, so there was no game in London. Yeah, this year. Right. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I agree with the whole Nick Nurse thing. I think he's like a player's coach, and, and the guys really buy into him. Um, and then, obviously, you've got, like, Lowry and, and Pascal Siakam who have kind of taken over the, the offensive load this year. And then you got a you know your solid uh, front court with Abak and Gasol, but it's really those, it's really those development guys and those pathway guys that have come through like Boucher and a new Anobi and Hollis Jefferson and Terrence Davis. Like those are the guys that like throughout all the injuries this season. That those are the guys that kept the team going and like they just they're just hungry, you know, like the young dogs out there just hungry and and ready to prove themselves. And I think the the way the structure of the of the of the Raptors and, and with Raptors nine oh five, like the G League team being in the same city and the you know, the NBA players are going to those games and supporting those guys. There's like a you know, there's a sense of family and a and a development pathway that I think is really unique and I don't think a lot of other teams in the NBA have that. One other thing to add to that, I think like, you know, being in Canada, um being kind of like always had that you know, we've never been looked at in the spotlight and being underdogs and it's Canada that the Raptors have always thrived on being like, you know, kind of like written off and having that chip on their shoulder. And even though they're champions, no one is talking with them kind of coming back. And so that's still feeding them, even though they're at the top of the league right now in terms of being the reigning champions. So that whole chip on the shoulder attitude where no one is believing them and looking at Milwaukee or looking at the teams in LA, that, that, that drives those guys. Yeah, it's funny. They've kind of been forgot about, haven't they? especially about the sort of national media. They've been... No one's really mentioning them, are they as sort of title favorites or contenders? Um, as soon as Kawhi left, all the yeah. pundits went like we're in the preseason predictions and stuff, they were like eight seed and in, in most of people's rankings. And it was just like, yeah. 
the disrespect, man. Come on. I think, I think it's been really, really, really impressive that I think most of the the punditry assumed it was going to be a bit like when Dallas got theirs, and then you get yours, and then that's that. You're all right. You can be rubbish for yeah, the next yeah. Yeah. five, six years. There's no that they've completely defeated that and shown that it's more about the culture than it is about the individual of if you know what I mean it Kawhi made that shot mm. but it was the Raptors he, he, he carried them over the top didn't he in yeah. that position yeah. yeah it's people sort of underestimate or undervalue what it takes to get everybody there to the line mm. sort of overvalue sometimes the person who gets them over the line yeah I mean they've still got one of the best defenses in the league sort of points per game wise and stuff and they're just really smart, high IQ players, aren't they? They get back in transition. They know when to sort of gamble at the right time and stuff. And um, just having guys like Ibaka and Lowry still diving around on the floor at 33, isn't he? And Gasol, when he's when he's in the lineup, still a very smart player. It's just that's going to take them sort of a long way, isn't it? Still against the yeah. better teams. Well, let me ask you guys a question. I mean, I I felt that even when Kawhi left, I felt that this team would be back in the NBA Finals. Really? But, I mean, how do you guys feel about Milwaukee? I'll tell you how I feel about that. But I'm curious, like, do you think, which team do you think from the East is going to be in the NBA Finals? Um, I said Milwaukee at the start of the season. I kind of stand by that still. Yeah. I just, I, I still think Siakam can have trouble guarding Giannis. Um, and that, and that, could, that could prove key. But it's, it's not a slam dunk by any means. I mean, I, I, th- I think they're a better team than Philly. And I think Boston would be a really close series should they meet them. Because I think... They've they've always been great games the last few years the the Boston Toronto games so that looks pretty evenly matched but um he's wide open in the East I think definitely I I, I do I, I mean my heart says Raptors and I and and I do believe them I I, I think they're you know an amazing team and they've proved that they can beat teams like LA and teams like that so I know that if they got there they could they'd have a great chance but I think another year of development for Giannis and and another run in the playoffs I think would help him and I think uh, he it might this might be the year that he gets over the hump. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough to see who this sort of layoff's going to help or hinder really. I guess we'll see. So Who do you think, Dwayne? What do you think about the Bucks? So, I, I like the Bucks but um I think Brogdon was really big for them in the playoffs last year, mm-hmm. who they don't have anymore. I don't rate Budenholzer's success in the playoffs because he hasn't won yet. He's been a fantastic regular season coach. Yeah. And I also question, I mean, I so if it's the Raptors in, in Milwaukee, we're talking about a team that's done it all. I mean, we always talk about championship grit, championship mentality, and kind of if you've done it, you kind of know how to do it. Mm. But the last time the Raptors faced Milwaukee in the playoffs, the Raptors beat them in four straight games. Yeah. Yep. And I think mm. that's, that's – it's a bit telling. And I think I – so I don't know how in the playoffs you can find a way to kind of like, you know, when you have to take them to the next level. I think those are – it's really playoff concerns for me that I have. I, they're a fantastic team. They're really good. If they beat the Raptors, I wouldn't be surprised. But I just feel like when it gets to those moments, Milwaukee hasn't found a way to kind of get over that yet. Yeah. Um, they, they lost twice to the Bucs this year, didn't they, in the regular season, uh, the Raptors. Uh, I know Gasol missed one of those games. Um, I think they were due to play them sort of in a national TV game, weren't they, just before the end of the season. They had, they had quite a quite a tough running actually the Raptors. I think they had like sort of four or five national TV games, which is a shame because uh, they never used to get on. Um, when I say national TV, I mean the US TV. Um, yeah. They had quite a sort of a tough running, um, so it'd be nice to sort of see how those games panned out and sort of how they lined up against those East. I guess we'll not find out now. 
Um, and that was the, that was probably the one weakness with the Raptors that I saw this season was that even with like with all the controversy with the, with the injuries and everything and Kawhi leaving, they still held their own. But there was those big moments like mm-hmm. like the games against the Bucks or the Christmas game against Boston where they just they didn't show up and they lost yeah. those games. Yeah. And you know, those are key games and big moments that you know, when it comes to playoff situations, you have to win those games. Yeah, so they, that, they, that was the one weakness I saw with them this yeah. season. But overall, I think they definitely overachieved. They, sure. they showed they could win without Gasol and Lowry in the lineup as well, which I thought was quite big. You know, obviously, yeah. see Siakam's kind of taking a bit more responsibility now. I mean, I don't know, he's not quite the offensive force that no. uh, Kawhi was, but <laughs> defensively, he's, you know, very good still, you know, and the, that, that will carry them a long way. For sure. Hey, yo, check it out. This your man, Scott X, the Wild Cowboy. I'm here on Pick and Roll Podcast. We're talking about ball and beats. Might as well mention last year, obviously, uh, the dream season and stuff. Masai took his swing for Kawhi Leonard, and it paid off, really. I take it you went to the home finals games and stuff, Dwayne. Yeah, I was actually, uh, I was in Oakland as well. Oh, cool. So, yeah. Quite a few uh, um, Raptors fans at, at some of those Warriors games. It was amazing. They kind there, of... was, there was a lot of Raptors yeah. fans at the Warriors games. Yeah. I mean, one thing about Raptors fans is that they travel with the team and they're always, you know, representing and making noise. So, um, yeah, they're more it, like it was... a soccer crowd from this country. They'll go to the away game. I remember them being in Philly last year and kind of took over a whole area, didn't they? It's... And we took over Cleveland a few that years ago completely. Yeah. That was amazing. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was amazing. Detroit is Detroit is the closest, and it's actually Detroit games are like Raptors games. Like you can actually hear on the broadcast, you can hear the Raptors fans cheering in the background. <laughs> <laughs> um, but did, did they did they sort of become uh, Canada's team after the sort of Grizzlies left for uh, sort of Memphis then? Because it seemed like the whole nation was sort of behind them. Uh, yeah, I those mean, playoffs. definitely. I think. Because during the time when the Grizzlies left, Vince Carter was in the mix. So I think, yeah. you know, he kind of impressed the world, not just Canada. So definitely that galvanized it. But I think especially with um, this run, um, like the Raptors is the only Canadian basketball team in the NBA. So you have a whole country behind them as opposed to like a state or a province. Um, and, you know, we haven't had a winner like, you know, the Leafs, like from different sports, there hasn't been a winner on that stage in a while. And I think the whole We the North campaign that they came up with about four years ago really kind of did a good job of galvanizing Canadians to buy into this team. Yeah. So you had people like there were viewing parties across the country where people were watching coast to coast the games in like arenas or parks or whatever. And yeah, they literally became the country's team. They really nailed that sort of whole rebranding thing, didn't they? The last few years it was. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, also winning helps though. I mean, they of definitely course. did. Yeah. yeah. But you got to have a competitive product on the floor, and they continue to do that. And like you said, getting a player of Kawhi's caliber uh, is a statement. I mean, you know, it's like we're gonna we're gonna trade, you know, probably to that point the greatest Raptor ever and Demar Derozan yeah. um, for a guy who can who can help us get you know what, we, what we're, ch- we're chasing, which is a championship. Yeah. Danny Green an underrated part of that trade as well. Really um, had some big moments, didn't he, in the playoffs? And yeah, stuff. Danny Green was really really good for. Yeah. Um, for the Raps, and, and he really embraced being in Canada, too, in terms yeah. of, like, um, you know, 
and he, he bounced back as a player. I mean, his shooting, his defense is, is better in play. So, like, he was really big. Um, yeah, I mean, like, you're right. He's almost like the gem of that trade because you know you're getting Kawhi. You know DeMar is going there. But Danny Green was a key starter and, and great with a three-ball in defense for, for this team last year. Yeah. Um, I don't think we'll ever get to the bottom of what quite happened in San Antonio with uh, Kawhi. But did, did you ever get a chance to sort of speak to him or sort of interview him and stuff? How did you find it? Was really no? <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, like, really, like honestly, you don't um, – you don't really get a chance to really get a, a vibe on, on, on who he is. Yeah. You try to talk to other people around him and stuff, but you know, it's, it's really interesting. Cause um, I was part for the free agency pitch that they made to Kawhi, obviously after the season ended where they were pitching him. Um, the team had asked me to, the, the concept was to give him a yearbook of the year, right. To kind of reflect on all the things that happened and all the moments and all-star and the playoffs. And they actually commissioned me to write the copy for it and had incredible like you know mixed media art visuals and whatnot and one of the things i had to write was like a, a letter from the fans to Kawhi. and you know it was just funny because you you know he's a guy when you're when you're trying to pitch Kawhi, he's not a guy who's gonna get impressed by like all the shiny explosions of bells and whistles right yeah. so this kind of like made sense because it was like really a a physical memory of what had happened um and it actually came off really well and they made like they were like these leather bound big like yearbooks and you know like quotes from like all kinds of people in it and whatnot and they made they made the book but they made i guess they made a few extras and he took all of them oh really <laughs> yeah i mean he didn't sign but i mean it was a great it was a great piece but yeah. i think it's like with him you know i think ultimately being home being in la was the most important thing and yeah. i think that kind of i think at the same time though once he came here like when he left it wasn't like people were mad. They weren't burning no. his jersey because no. they knew. And even if they didn't win a championship, I think it still would have been the same because they kind of knew that it was a short-term thing. But obviously, he got he got this franchise a championship that they never had before. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be any bad blood at all, does it? Really, it's um, you know, came and did what he was asked to do, and uh, yeah, he'll be remembered forever. It's rare. It's rare actually in today's hyperbolic trade world of of. Quick to throw stones and label people things, but if I I reckon it'd have been in from a number of other franchises, it wouldn't have been as harmonious or yeah. I don't know respectful a split. Let's say this is the this is the thing that used to boot Vince Carter up until like two or three years ago. <laughs> yeah. Still getting versus that's thing. true. That's true. <laughs> so yeah, <we'd... laughs> would he make your all-time sort of? Uh... Raptors starting five then just based on last year and, and bringing the yes. title there. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. He, he would have to. I mean, yeah. come on. I agree. Yeah. yeah. They need to put the statue up, man. The shot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I could never be mad at him. Like, he did his job, man. He did what he said he was going to come and do, and, and, he, and he got the championship. And then for a guy like him who's won it in, at San Antonio and then won it at the Raptors, for him, he's kind of, he's done it all now. So, the next thing would, you know, go home and play in front of your family, the opportunity opportunity to do that to do that. As a player, there's nothing better. So you can't even you can't get mad at for for what he's what he's done. But it is like Gab said, it is so rare these days that, you know, a player like that parts ways with an organization and, and they we're still like there's no bad blood at all. We're like we're clapping for him, we're cheering for him. It's it's it's, it's a strange situation. Yeah. Your heart must go out to 
DeMar DeRozan just slightly. Um, I yeah, I was gonna I was gonna bring it back. What yeah. was the vibe like when that happened, Dwayne? Because obviously that was a big shock. I I had a feeling that they were gonna either get rid of DeRozan or Lowry, and obviously DeRozan's playoff performances in the two years prior, he he had kind of choked a little bit. So, but what was the vibe when that first happened? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, you knew that there had to be a change. I thought it was gonna be Kyle, just based on who's getting up in age that he might be the guy. But yeah. Um, a lot of fans were really upset um, because I think what happened with DeMar is that, you know, he came in the league and he was like an athletic guy, but, you know, he really kind of worked hard to develop his game to you know, be the master of the mid-range and be a scorer and be a better player. So um, Toronto and Canadians in general, they appreciate that, right? Like if they see sure. the work to kind of develop and grow and become an all-star, they ride with you for that. So a lot of people were upset, but I think a lot of people were upset because Kawhi Leonard is – you know, he's not a star. He's very low, prof- low profile. Plays in San Antonio. And if you don't really know basketball that well, yeah. you don't know a lot about Kawhi. Yeah. When I first heard him personally, I was like, I was shocked. I was like, this is it. I was amazed. But a lot of people were upset just based on the fact that, you know, the, there's a lot of loyalty and love for DeMar. Um, but, you know, after a few games of Kawhi, people sort of forgot about him a bit. Yeah. yeah. Immediately, I was, I was like, wow, this is like, we lucked out on this one. But uh, there was a little bit of uncertainty up for Kawhi, obviously, because he'd been sitting out for like over a year with, with with the injury. But when when we got him, man, the thing is, like DeRozan, he was another guy kind of like Danny Green. Like when he came to Toronto, he just embraced it. He embraced the culture. The whole country fell in love with him. But, you know, he had his two playoff runs where we gave him a shot and, and he didn't pull through. And, and that's what happens in basketball, right? Help, yeah, help, results, right? Yeah. Help that LeBron went to the West as well, I guess. Yeah. yeah, Lebronto. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. I mean, Lebron. I mean, hey, like the guy's a phenomenal player, and he totally had this team's number, and they had no answer for him. So that definitely helped their case. But it would be funny if they got to the finals this year and they had to play the Lakers. And, uh... Well, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think as much as I, I believe the Raptors can make it to the finals. I don't think that. I think any team from the Western Conference is going to take it. The West yeah. is. Yeah. Got some solid guns right now. Yeah, but do you think they're going to – the structure of everything, do you think they're going to do a 1 through 16? Do you think they're going to do a group stages? I don't, I don't I think, think – I think Adam Silver has been he's, – he's been wanting to do this for years now, and I think this is the perfect opportunity to switch it up and do the 1 through 16. And then potentially you set yourself up for like an L.A. versus L.A. final, which is what everybody really wants to see, right? No, but you're right. I know he's, he's wanted to do this for a while, but is it is this the time? I mean, like, I mean, I want to see it. But in terms of, like, we just talked about how, like, it's going to be so messy because they've been off, whatever, and then you're going to have these games where, I don't know, I mean, like, that, I, that, that'd be pretty ballsy. I mean, if the governors go for it, sure, I mean, I would definitely like to see it. But I don't know if they could just jump from, like, not having games to changing up the playoff format so quickly. No. But maybe this might be the time because it kind of is that asterisk situation, right? Yeah. Well, also, it's Zion's first year in the league. Like they, they people want to see more Zion, obviously. And since we only got half a season of him, season of him, anyways, so they're definitely going to do some sort of playing situation to give him a chance to get in. Depending what happens uh, in the playoffs. Um, sorry, my cat's going crazy. One second. <laughs> Take that cat away. The <laughs> cat heard Zion and like, yeah, Zion. <laughs> The weather's really nice here. The cat's just crying to go outside constantly. It's driving me around the bend. Uh, anyway, I digress. Um, depending what happens in the playoffs and stuff, um, they've got three 
fairly key guys who are free agents in the season. Uh, Marcus Sol, Sergi Barker, and uh, and Fred Van Vliet. Um, do you see them bringing all three back, or do you think they'll sort of let one of the veterans go? And uh, I mean, Van Vliet's well, probably going to get offered a lot of money by somebody, isn't he? I mean, somebody yeah, I could think... offer him twenty million. You never know. It's only takes one team. So, let's talk about Serge. Serge is playing the best basketball probably of his career right now. So yeah, probably, you know, which is amazing. So I think that someone is going to offer him is, you know, probably more money than the Raptors would make sense to offer or years. Um, although he said he wants to stay in Toronto, but you know, we've heard people say that. I mean, sure. If there's an offer, you can't refuse. He's got to take it. Um, so I think he might be gone just based on what he might get in the market. Mm. I think I take Mark back at a reasonable deal. I think Mark's kind of obviously getting closer to the end of his career. Yeah. Um, he's still obviously valuable, but I think if you get a reasonable deal for Mark, definitely take it. And then I think, you probably have to sign Fred. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kyle's not Kyle's not finished, but he's definitely you know turning on the tone of his yeah. career. And you know, you've developed this this guy and who can do a lot for your team on both sides of the floor. I think you know some you got you got to pay him the money because like I just like if you don't sign Fred, let Fred go. You got Kyle. You've got to get like a two guard and a backup mm-hmm. point guard because yeah. they don't. Harris Davis is is emerging. Whatever Norm Powell is there, but. I think you got to keep your money in Fred, man. Yeah. The thing is with, I mean, Gasol and Ibaka, they've kind of made a lot of money and they don't really need to go ring chasing now, do they? So it could be the case of them maybe coming back on one-year deals and sort of, yeah. you know, you can still sign Van Vliet because um, they got his bird rights or whatever. Um, but there's probably a, a figure they walk away at at some point, isn't there? If, you know, only takes one team as we've seen, uh, you know, with Jeremy Lin and players like that getting offered silly money. Um, if someone offers him sort of four years, 80, 80, 90 million, he, he could be gone, couldn't he? But we shall see, I guess. Yeah, he's going to be a very rich man either way, I think. Yeah, I mean, he deserves it. He's proved himself. Yeah. Uh, really stepping up in the playoffs last year and then throughout this season, he's just looked so, so solid the whole year. So I definitely agree. I think that Fred's a guy that they got to kind of hold on to for, for the future of the club. And then, you know, Gasol, I mean, he did have a big summer with obviously going far in the playoffs, winning the championship. Yeah. Playing with the national team, winning the World Cup, you know, he's probably partying a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it showed this year because he, he, he missed a, a lot of games. But he is, I mean, defensively and as a big man, he's just so important for the Raptors. He'd be another guy I'd love to see. And then, yeah, Barker's playing at a high level too. It's amazing, oh, how, it's amazing how quickly Gasol fit in, actually, when he came last year, wasn't it? It was kind of pretty seamless oh. to say he only came out sort of after the All-Star break. Yeah, I mean, like, he was a big reason why they went so far. When he first got here, though, he was really just trying. He was trying so hard to fit in where yeah. he was trying to facilitate. I mean, we know we can pass, but he wasn't even trying to score. And then after a while, he he found that balance. But I think, you know, like you guys talked about, these guys are up in age, so they know what their roles are, and not that they can't step up when needed, but yeah. they know that they gotta like help mitigate the flow for the other guys who are really the offensive guys and do things, help them excel. And I think they've done a really good job of doing that, yeah. for sure. Both both those guys, Gasol and Ibaka, slap bang in that category of, of people who would actually benefit from a two month break at this time of year. Yeah. Particularly, particularly as Gasol had all pretty much no rest all yeah. last summer. So it may be a case where yeah, that they they their chances would be maybe shifted in the balance on extended playoffs. Hey, this is Rick Mahorn. I'm a bad boy for life. Now, if you're not on the Pick and Roll podcast, I'm going to come out there looking for you. Because you know what? 
bad boys like to be listened to on the podcast. Pick and roll, baby. Pick and roll. But I'm not picking. I ain't even rolling. While we've got you here, we'll put you on the spot. Um, you mentioned Uh-oh. Kawhi would be in your sort of all-time Raptors starting five. Uh, give us the other four while we've got you here. Well, uh, I guess really a fairly talk- obvious. But We kind of talked about this on, on yeah. Instagram. So um, definitely Kyle Lowry, who in my eyes is the greatest Raptor of all time. Wow, um, okay. DeMar DeRozan still goes in for how he helped his franchise get to this this point. Yeah. We've got Kawhi. Vince Carter for kind of, um, you know, elevating the game in this country and, you know, really, I mean, he, he made basketball, he, not only did he like inspire fans, but he inspired a generation of players, yeah. obviously, who saw that, you know, the NBA in their back, backyard and, you know, wanted to kind of follow their dreams to be in the league. And then um, I'm putting in Chris Bosh as a, as the five in the five spot. I mean, he's another guy who kind of developed his talents and really kind of became like the prototypical stretch four. Mm. um, in terms of being able to you know play inside, stretch the floor, be done, and, and he was a multi-time, multiple, multiple-time also. Yeah, it's a shame about him having to retire early because I think his game would have aged quite gracefully and still be a great player. Totally agree with that. Yeah. Um, any dis- you think, anything you think I left out in that top five? I don't know. Any, you- any disagreements, Mike or Gav? Any soft spots for Oliver Miller, maybe or no? <laughs> the big O. There you go. There you go. Damon Stoudemire. Yeah, Damon Stoudemire. Yeah, great shirt. Um, yeah. <laughs> you can't have Hakeem. Uh, I, I, had, I had the same starting five. I had Pascal off the bench. And then and then I'll give a uh honorable mention to Alvin Williams at the point and, and maybe yep. Morris Peterson at, at the small forward. Mo Pete for the longevity, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. I, f- I forgot about him until I started looking this up. It's uh, yeah, they've not not had a ton of all stars over the years, have they really Raptors? No, I mean, I think Antonio Davis is the only guy we didn't really mention in terms of all-stars. Oh, but, yeah. yeah. He's but, a, but it's he's kind of funny when you look at the amount of people who have worn the Raptors uniform, like, you know, T-Mac, Chauncey, um, Rafer Alston. Oakley, Hakeem, Charles Oakley. Bogues, Hakeem Olajuwon. Yeah, well, there's so many guys, right? Hell Curry, yeah, a lot of guys. Still, it still irks me when I see that a picture of Hakeem in a Toronto jersey. It just yeah, looks it's wrong. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. it's like Patrick Ewing in a Sonics uniform it's yeah it's just weird. yeah right yeah yeah it's not good um yeah we've took up quite a bit of your time so um where else can we find you where can people hear your work and um and see oh, uh okay. what you're up to um, and follow you and whatnot um I'm co-host of Raps Unpublished which is the official Toronto Raptors podcast which you can find wherever you find podcasts um I'm yes. also the host of Raptors Nightcap which is the Raptors um, post-game show which streams Live on their Twitter account, post games with um all the hosts and all the hosts and their NBA analysts, and um oh also I have a new platform with a, a colleague of mine, Craig White, called uh, Neek, which is a uh, basketball and hoop culture. I mean, like you know the game, uh, kicks, uniform, art, design, all almost a hoop culture. We kind of like capture it there yeah. at that, that at that Neek life, as well as I produce um NBAXL on NBA TV Canada, which is um. You know, basketball stories, culture, lifestyle. Cool. So, Neek as in Dominique, Neek Life, and Nike, isn't it? Yeah. Correct. Correct. Is that a nod correct. to Dominique or? It is a nod to Dominique. We <laughs> haven't really, we didn't want to make it overt, but it definitely was a nod to Dominique. Yeah. But it was just like something that we liked the sound of it too. Yeah. Uh, 
but yeah, definitely to the human highlight film for sure. Yeah, there's Craig, lots, lots of great artwork and stuff. So check that out on Instagram, definitely. Thank you. Um, and you had Antonio Do- uh, Antonio uh, Davis on the Raps and Published podcast, the recent episode, I believe. Yeah, yeah we just uh, had a conversation with him too, in terms of just like looking back at his time with the Raps, yeah. and um, you know, also just in the NBA. I mean, one of the Davis brothers with the pace with the Pacers too, and you know how we kind of how Toronto kind of really came together for him. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. So yeah, check that out in uh, Apple Podcasts and all usual places. Um, anything you want to ask us before you go? Uh, we'll let you enjoy your weekend and. Wow. Um, what can I ask you guys? How is it for you guys? I mean, like, for me, being in Canada, obviously, we're sort of an outsider, but we're so close. But how is it in terms of you guys consuming the game being across across the Atlantic? Um, obviously, the time difference doesn't help and stuff. So you end up watching a lot of games in the morning um, and stuff. But um, the actual league plas- pa- platform here is actually really good now. Um, you can go back to... 10 years and watch pretty much any game right. forever so and um obviously mike does sky sports tv um they sort of won the rights to show live games was it a couple of years ago mike um three three years ago three well, years ago yeah. yeah three seasons ago so they've done sort of a really good job now and they're sort of doing magazine shows on mics on doing this sort of analyst uh angle and stuff so um yeah i mean you can watch as much basketball as you want now really it's um it's really picked up on. It's been a bit hit and miss over the years and stuff. They they had a really big push on it in the nineties and then it kinda disappeared for a bit. So it kinda comes and goes. But definitely over the last sort of five, six years, I think the Steph Curry, LeBron thing and stuff's really really sort of brought it brought it around again in terms of sort of attracting new viewers and thing and things, definitely. Yeah, the hardest thing is definitely the time difference though. Yeah. But but other than that, you know, the world is so small now with, with social media and the internet and everything that you know, there there is a, a loyal you know, culture basketball culture here and, and fan base and and with it being back on Sky Sports now, which is you know, essentially the the ESPN or you know TSN of of the UK, it's uh it's on the biggest platform, so more eyes are on basketball. Uh, any is there talent that like is there who is like the hot kid or player out of the UK or like you know what I mean I'm not saying that oh you guys got an NBA prospect but like how is that shaping over there. Uh, or development kind of the next thing. Cause I know for us development is, the, you know what I mean? Like it took a while for us to kind of start turning up players. Right. It's really badly yeah. funded, isn't it? Mike, I think you'd agree. Yeah. It's, it's badly funded and the, the pathway structure isn't always there. So like kids will, will start playing it at a young age and then most of them will, there won't, it, the teams only go up to like 14 and then they drop off. Right. So I think, um, yeah, there's there's not a lot of funding, and the pathway structure needs needs to be worked on. But I think one of the biggest things is getting it on TV so that more people can see it and and right. more kids can to, to get into it and get locked into it and, and want to be basketball players. And I think that that's that's a, the first thing that's, that that they've done that is right. Um, but yeah, funding would be would be huge. Yeah, and there's a lot of infighting in the various bodies and stuff. It seems, isn't there? Um, it's very, that's the other it's complicated very fractured. Thing about, yeah. Like Great Britain, which is Scotland, England, Wales, like you have all these different separate uh, entities kind of fighting for their own piece of the pie, but then coming together and putting together the GB. So it's, that whole thing is, is a bit confusing at times as well. Mm. But um, there, 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 I mean, there's, there's still a lot of, you know, there's some decent kids coming out of, out of England right now, out, out of the cities, out of London, out of, out of other cities. So there is, you know they are they are producing players um 
but I think they need we need that 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 one kid who's you know goes on to be a star and and you know becomes a, a big name in the NBA. That would really help spur on. Yeah, we need like our own yeah, Giannis, guys, if you like will. Ruel Dang and yeah. stuff who had a great career, but not you know it wasn't like the number one guy. But um, he was probably the last the last like great hope from from yeah. England. That I mean, OG Ananobi was born in Britain. He didn't really develop his game over here though, did he? He was he moved to the yeah. states quite young. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing too, right? Because sometimes you, you kind of need someone who, in a sense, because even for us, we're like, Steve Nash was an MVP, whatever, but, you know, he was out in BC. But like, when there's someone kind of like, you kind of seen kind of come up the ranks, like a Andrew Wiggins or RJ Barrett, whatever, yeah. then everyone can say like, oh yeah, I remember when this, you know what I mean? Like that helps kind of build the legacy, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think you've sure. seen that the last sort of five years or so, the number of Canadian guys sort of come into the league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's definitely grown massively, hasn't it? Carter effect, baby. Yeah, there you go. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. yeah. Go and watch that if you haven't seen it. Um, well, that's fantastic, man. I appreciate you coming on with us um, on a weekend and giving us your time. And um, if the play does get back underway and uh, the Raptors make it deep in the playoffs, we'll have to get you back on. And, uh, you have to get me back on even if they make it to the finals so I can say I told you so, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. You know, honestly, I really appreciate um, you guys having me on. I have a lot of respect for what you guys do. Um especially over there. So um, thanks a lot, man. I no, appreciate it. Thanks again, buddy. Take care. Thanks a lot. It was thanks a pleasure. Guys. Have a good weekend. Take care. Have man. a good one. Take care. Bye-bye.